when I had my 30th birthday, I think that was the most like depressed I think I had been because I was like, oh my God, like I'm 30. And every signpost I saw was like, what are you doing with your life? And you know, it, it, it works out. Welcome to Midlife Mixtape, the podcast. I'm Nancy Davis Coe, and we're here to talk about the years between being hip and breaking one. Where do I belong? Tell me why I'm here and what's taking this long. When can I move on? The U.S. Postal Service is under attack. If you're looking for a way to support this invaluable American institution, may I recommend buy some stamps and send some thank you letters. This is Nancy Davis Co., the host of the Midlife Mixtape podcast, and in 2019, I wrote a book called The Thank You Project, Cultivating Happiness One Letter of Gratitude at a Time. And it's all about the happiness and resilience building benefits of writing thank you letters to the people who have helped, shaped, and inspired you. A lot of the book is devoted to prompting readers to think of those people in their lives and encouraging you to write to them. As I've been watching the Postal Service news with shock and horror, it's occurred to me that, you know, writing these letters is actually a way to keep an important American institution going. So I'm encouraging you to check out my book and find motivation to drop some mail into the post box near you. It's available in local bookstores, online, and for audiobook download. Check out the Thank You Project, cultivating happiness one letter of gratitude at a time. Hi, everyone. It's Nancy, and I'm glad you're here with me. It feels like I just started this podcast only to look up and realize we are 80 episodes in. That is not nothing. How time? How does that work? It's like those little toddlers who made us crazy in the 2000s are now home again, driving us crazy in a different way because they can never use the same glass twice. It doesn't matter if it's the same liquid. You always need a new glass. That's the rule in our house anyway. If you've listened to this show before, you know that I always start each interview with a question about what was your first concert, and I always end each interview with this question. What one piece of advice do you have for someone younger than you, or do you wish you could go back and tell yourself? Virtually every time I've finished interviewing someone, I think, God, that was a really good piece of advice. I wish I'd known that earlier. With so many episodes in the bag, I'm guessing that some of the great advice from the earlier episodes of Midlife Mixtape have gone a little bit under the radar for newer listeners. And face it, even if you've listened the whole time, if you're like me in the years between being hip and breaking one, you've probably forgotten half of them anyways. Or you might actually be me, the person on the other side of all of those 80s shows, who can barely retain anything. So for today's episode, I decided I would go back and compile some of my favorite words of wisdom from past guests just for a little refresher. The question's designed to elicit advice for younger selves. So for sure, you could think about sharing it with the people in your life who don't have to scroll so far down on the what year were you born field in online applications. I get the carpal tunnel trying to get to 1966. But everything that's included in today's episode, I think is good advice regardless of when you hear it or how many times. And I want to encourage you to listen all the way to the end of today's episode because I have a question for you to ponder. It's not exactly homework, but it's a question that I think might help give you some perspective and think about your life a little bit differently as this COVID pandemic drags on and on. So let's dive in with the advice, shall we? 
When I started the show back in 1917, by which I mean 2017, I knew enough to choose guests who were friends who would put up with me when I said, okay, you guys, hold on a second. I'm not sure which button I pushed to record. So episode two, the first time I had a guest on the show, was with my friend Michelle Gonzalez, professor, author, and drummer of the band Spitboy. You can tell how new I was to this whole gig in the convoluted way in which I phrased the question to her. So if you had the chance to give yourself a piece of advice, if you could go back and tell yourself something, or or if there's one piece of advice that you could give people younger than you, what would it be? I think I, I, I say this a lot, you know, don't wait around for someone to publish you, publish yourself, make a zine, get online, create a blog, make a podcast, don't wait for somebody to sign your band, record some music, go on SoundCloud, busk, whatever you need to do. You know, I we have so many tools at our disposal now. When I was in Kamal and the Carnivores in 1989, we tune our guitars with a pitch pipe. Now you have a thing that clips. This is digital thing that clips on your guitar. Times have really changed. Things have gotten a lot easier and social media has made it possible for you to really create your own platform and get your, your art out there. I mean, it's not the only way. It doesn't take away from the personal touch. You still need to do interviews. You still need to go places. You still need to meet people and be kind and interesting and all that. But gosh, there's so many different ways to get your art out there. And yeah. you know, don't, just don't wait around for people, you know, and don't, don't think like, oh, I'm not old enough or mature enough. Like do whatever art you're doing at whatever age you are. And maybe you might be embarrassed of it a little bit when you get older, but it's better than sitting around doing nothing and not developing. And apropos of Michelle's advice, you know, if I hadn't gotten started back in 2017, I would never be able to say so smoothly now, say it with me, what one piece of advice do you have for someone younger than you? Or do you wish you could go back and tell yourself? It took some practice. I had to get started somewhere. So that was episode two. For episode three, I still had my podcaster training wheels on. So I interviewed another friend, comedian Corinda Dobbins. Do what you really love to do. You know, so many times we, our majors in college and how we plan our life goals are sort of based on money and status and all of these things that people tell you you should have by 20, 25, 30 And um, I think that leaves out a lot of things that people want to do that wouldn't necessarily give them those things. You know, a lot Mm -hmm. of artists, a lot of things that don't necessarily make a lot of money or give you or give you a certain um, income at a certain age. You know, so I think that would be it's like follow your heart, man. I know that sounds kind of corny and it's been said a million times, but because you can always go back and get a job you hate is, is what I tell right. people. <laughs> it's not hard to do. <laughs> so try to do what you love. And if it doesn't work out, certainly you can always, um, you know, go back and get that accounting job you never wanted. In episode three, Corinda and I talked about her goal of moving to LA to pursue her stand-up career. And I would like to update you guys and let you know, She's moved to LA to pursue her stand-up career. She's also working on a new comedy podcast, and I will definitely be spreading the word about Corinda Dobbins' comedy podcast when it launches. TV critic and Hollywood reporter writer Tim Goodman was someone who I wanted to have on the show early on because, frankly, I knew he had amazing taste in music. It's weird how I knew that, though. We share a hairdresser, and somehow, through her, I would get Tim Goodman's music recommendations. Like, he would tell her stuff, and then I would come in later that day to get my hair cut, and she would tell me. Do you remember hairdressers? I barely do. 
Someday I'll go back to one. Anyway, it was great hearing from Tim in episode five about how he had kept up with the changes in the publishing industry and gotten used to adapting. And I think Tim Goodman's advice to younger people reflected the wisdom he gained in doing that. I think if going back to talk to a younger version of me, that would be that that's that's great because you you look at your career and you wonder you talked about pivoting and changing and and I think there's a lot of worry when you're in it that's what that's what I would say so there were there were times when I was in my career and I was like this is it I'm I've peaked I'm nowhere near where I wanted to be I'm stuck and you know I had a I had like a 7 year period where uh, I, I felt like I was stuck and I was never going to make it anymore. So I would tell myself that you, you, you are going to make it, you are good enough and you just need the opportunity and it'll, it'll happen. And then, you know, going, going to your point, now that we know that there's so many more options in life that you can do, I would say right on theme for you, I would say, don't be afraid to pivot. Like, don't be afraid to, to make a a career decision or a creative decision. I think a creative is a better word than career and, and do something different. I always tell my kids not to get so hung. I mean, they will get hung up on what their careers will be, but I always tell them, Hey, look, I know so many people who are lawyers and doctors and they, you know, they went to school for nine, 10, 11, 12 years and they, all this, all this stuff. And then now they're making olive oil. So right. like, make sure that you're happy in the decision you're going to make because you have to be happy first. And then, you know, they always say, do what you love and the money will follow. That's actually, as you know, well, no, that's not always true. Not true. Um, <laughs> uh, I work at an art school, so I know that that's not true. So, but at the same time, you have to, if you, if you can make a career out of something that you love and if you love it so much that you're not going to worry about the money, then you're going to be good. I was just lucky enough that I didn't make any money for a really, really long time. But I loved what I was doing. I got better at it. And then everything sort of coalesced together where I was able to give it a chance to do something to show that I could do it and be good at it. And then the money eventually did follow. Not as much as I want, but it still it still followed. You have to tear up the roadmap because, I, you know, I, they're so young now. And there is that sense. I mean, you have a 16-year-old. There is that sense that there's so much pressure on them now to succeed. And um, they do, especially in the Bay Area or New York or maybe even Los Angeles, uh, areas that are more expensive in the country, they'll, they sense that that if they want to stay here and do that, they need to do way better than we did because you can't get in and, you know, and it's so much real estate. I think all this stuff is in their brain and, uh, and, and they're way, way, way overstressed. So I always mm-hmm. tell them, don't worry about the master plan because uh, you, you're going to drive yourself crazy and you'll burn out. You'll never get to your destination if you're that stressed out. And, you know, I always say, look, when I had my 30th birthday, it was, I think that was the most like depressed I think I had been because I was like, oh my God, like I'm 30. And every signpost I saw, I was like, what are you doing with your life? And, you know, it it, it works out. And, and they think 30 is like, what? You were really lost. My God, you really took a couple of bad turns, dad. So, you know, I think if you tell them that it's going to work out, that it, it, it will. Of course, tearing up the roadmap won't prevent us from getting older, but as my guest for Episode 7 pointed out, no one says we have to get old. Scott Morse is an animator, filmmaker, and comic book artist and writer who works at Pixar, and talked with me about what he would tell younger people about getting older. You know, the biggest piece of advice is don't grow up. <laughs> um, it's, it's, you know, you can grow older, but don't grow up. I think it's a very Zen thing, like to be young again when you're old and to be able to appreciate what it's like to have no responsibility for a few minutes or, 
you know, that it's okay to fall down because you'll be able to get back up. Um, it's okay to fail. It's okay to learn from that and to be humble with everybody around you. I think I would, I would try to give myself that break if I could go back and tell myself. And I think that's one thing that I try to tell people when I meet them now and talk with them, you know, give yourself a break, be allowed to fail, learn from it, you know, don't ignore it and don't try to defend yourself too badly. Just look at what you could have done better to get across what you were trying to get across and remember to to be open to wonder and be open to emotion and be open to being a kid, you know? Sometimes when I meet someone for the first time and they find out that I do this podcast, I get asked to recommend a few episodes for people as kind of a taster plate, a way to get their feet wet. And I always, always recommend episode 46 of the podcast. That was when I spoke with author Jonathan Rauch. He wrote a book called The Happiness Curve, Why Life Gets Better After 50. And I have to say that book and episode were, for me, some of the most helpful resources I've come across in understanding the biological roots of our midlife emotional landscape. So some of the stuff we go through as we pass through our 40s and 50s is rooted in biology, and I find it reassuring to know that. So frankly, I wasn't even mad that his advice to younger people was to buy his book, because it's literally the advice I give too. I wasn't trying to be silly or just self-promoting when I said my advice to a younger person is is read my book, because the reason I wrote this book is it tries to tell the younger me, the me of 20 years ago when I was 38, all the things that I wish I could have known at that age. I would still have had some struggles in midlife, but I would have been a lot less alarmed, a lot less pessimistic. And that would have really helped. The problem was you hadn't written it yet, but you know, well, we can the suspend the time-space did... continuum. The, yeah, and the knowledge didn't exist yet. Part of what's exciting about this research, this is really new stuff. This comes along in the 2000s, and the biggest discoveries are within the last 10 years, and it's all unfolding right, right. now. Now, not all the advice to our younger selves is so lofty, and I'm frankly very happy that there's a mix of the profound and the mundane as you look back over 80 episodes. When original MTV VJ Martha Quinn joined me for episode 33, she shared a story about Sir Paul McCartney that, well, you should go back and listen to episode 33 for the whole thing, but her piece of advice to younger Martha Quinn was very much related to that story. Well, we've definitely learned today that I wish I could go back and tell myself to please stop at 7-Eleven and buy a disposable camera before Paul McCartney. But what can I do? Other advice that I would give myself is pay a little more attention. Like, I think when you're in, you're in the moment, you know, for example, we played this game called Listen Up, where Christy plays clips from the 80s. And the idea was for everybody to guess the year, thinking that I would know the years because I, I'm I'm of the 80s or the Martha Quinn years. Surely I should know the difference between 1982 and 1985. But to me, the 80s are just a big giant blur. It's the craziest thing. It's hard for me to remember between 1982. And I always say, look, that was too much time backstage at Van Halen shows. I don't know what to tell you. They're all they're all blurred together. But I guess if I was to go back and tell myself anything, I don't know. I feel like, uh, yeah, just get that disposable camera. Another piece of advice to a younger self that I would like to borrow and take back to my younger self, and I definitely want my kids to listen to this, came courtesy of my guest for episode 11, Ann Powers. Ann is NPR's music critic and correspondent, and when she came on the show, it was to discuss her 2017 book, Good Booty, Love and Sex, Black and White, Body and Soul in American Music. 
That book is still one of my favorite music reads ever. And by the way, if you ever want to know the music books that I read and love, find me on Goodreads. I have a shelf set up there with all the great music writing that I get to read, and I don't put anything on there that I wouldn't heartily recommend. So uh, just look for Nancy Davis Co. on Goodreads, and you can look at my music shelf. But anyway, Anne's book is on it. And when an NPR music correspondent gives you a piece of advice like this, you should listen. Wear earplugs. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, and- I'm serious. It's like, this is the biggest thing. I can't even hardly get my kid to do it. But but music is loud. Get yourself some protective earplugs. You can get these really great ones that have filters. So the music sounds the same. Just you're not getting damaged by it. So go get yourself a pair of custom earplugs and rock out and never stop rocking out. Is it crazy to think that maybe a year with no concerts means that I will grow some of my hearing back? I think the damage has been done. But I have this magical thinking that maybe if it's just very quiet around me for a year, I'll be able to hear better again. I don't I don't want to know if it doesn't work that way. Keep it to yourself. Probably my all-time favorite piece of concrete advice comes from artist Isabel Samaras, who was my guest for episode nine. Isabel is so cool. She's got a very unique approach to her art. She uses painting techniques developed during the Renaissance by the masters on what she calls, quote, our people, the icons of Generation X. So if you want to see an old world version of characters from I Dream of Jeannie or the Monsters, check out Isabel Samaras's work and my interview with her in episode nine. Anyway, here's what she has to say to young Isabel. Me personally, I would go back and tell myself like, girl, don't eat that broccoli mushu. It's gone <laughs> to the dark side. The worst like stomach upset I've ever had in my entire life, bar none, stomach everything was like some bad broccoli mushu. <sighs> It put me off Mushu for years, which is also a tragedy because that stuff is delicious. It took me a long time to come back. That is good practical advice. Luckily, Isabel survived the broccoli Mushu incident. And not only did she recover, she stuck around for an amazing triumph that she just shared this past week on Facebook. A dream come true. Isabel was asked to illustrate the cover of Mad Magazine and her depiction of Wonder Woman that's on it right now is just I'm kissing my fingers. Alfred E. Newman never had it so good. And by the way, she is only the second female artist ever to do a cover of Mad Magazine. So kudos to Isabel Samaras. In a minute, we'll get back to guest advice. But first, a word from our sponsor, admitacademy.co. I know a lot of you have students at home, and there are so many ways for the beginning of the school year to be stressful, even without a pandemic. And for parents of high school juniors and seniors, kicking off the college search process is just part of that fun house ride. So I'm pleased to tell you about a college search platform that brings the power of choice theory to make building a college list easier. Admit Academy. That's admitacademy.co, not .com, .co. Gone are the days of flipping through 1,000-page books or dealing with 50 to 100 schools that have been spit out from an online algorithm. Users at Admit Academy just build a profile in their system and have a conversation with an expert to build a list of 10 schools. Something else I like is that Admit Academy is only focused on college search and does not sell your data on the open market. And they provide personalized attention at costs that can be less than 10% of the cost of a private college counselor. So give your student and yourself the college search jumpstart you deserve. There's no risk with Admit Academy's money-back guarantee and plans that allow you to have additional phone calls and revise your list up to three times. And with my promo code MIXTAPE, M-I-X-T-A-P-E, you get 10% off. So just go to admitacademy.co forward slash mixtape and type in mixtape. That's admitacademy.co forward slash mixtape. Type in the word mixtape. Admit Academy, the modern way to build your college list. 
I wanted to go back and pull the advice from the next guest because she is, first of all, an amazing and admirable person. And second of all, she's in a high profile congressional race that I hope you'll tune into. MJ Hagar was on the show two years ago in episode 12. MJ is an American politician, United States Air Force veteran, and a teacher. And in 2017, she published the memoir, Shoot Like a Girl, which describes her service in Afghanistan. Really good book. Highly recommend it to you guys. MJ also sued the U.S. Air Force to remove the combat exclusion policy, which was keeping women from being paid for the work they were doing. When she and I spoke, she was running for a House seat in the 31st Congressional District in Texas. While the incumbent kept the seat in that race, it didn't deter MJ from diving in again. She's now running neck and neck for the Texas Senate seat currently held by Republican John Cornyn. As you'll be able to tell from her piece of advice, MJ's a fighter and she is not a complainer. The piece of advice that I feel like made me really successful that I try to spread is never assume you're being discriminated against first. That doesn't mean you're not being discriminated against, but always turn it inside. Always go internal with it and see what you could be doing better. Always assume that it's something that you're doing so that uh, best case scenario, you know, you you become a better version of yourself and you prove the naysayers wrong uh, anyway. And and really worst is, you know, I guess probably I guess it's probably the same. It's not really a best worst case scenario, but the bottom line is you end up just proving them by your actions. So. Right, right. Well, worst case scenario is you've checked first. You know, it's not you. It actually yeah. is discrimination. Yeah. So sometimes it is, but yeah. but I always went through a, a you know steps first, and it it made me a better officer and a better pilot. MJ Hagar is exactly who you would want representing your interests in DC. So even if you're not in Texas, please consider saying a prayer and making a donation to her campaign. Go to mjfortexas.com for more information. The next nugget of advice comes from DJ Misbehavior. That was episode 13. Misbehavior first came to my attention in 2017 in a viral clip of a woman, let's say of a certain age, spinning the juiciest old school hip hop at a huge party. And it was so fun to talk with her about the reaction she gets from behind the turntables. Here's what Misbehavior had to say about advice for her younger self in episode 13. Social media and everything is great. But it does take away a lot of our time of just almost like sitting in silence and visualizing. I used to daydream a lot when I was younger, you know, imagine myself DJing in certain things or just, but now we tend to have our phones or our computers out so much. Right. I think if I was talking to people now, I'd say, you know, take some time sometimes just Go out for a couple of hours and don't take your phone or give yourself that brain space time as well, because sometimes that's when ideas come and... You need that time to ruminate. Yes, definitely. You should follow DJ Misbehavior on Instagram if you're not already. She's been doing some great live sets through the pandemic, and if that doesn't free up some brain space for you, nothing will. I love this advice from my episode 17 guest, travel writer Lavinia Spaulding, to her younger self. I would have probably told myself to keep more meticulous journals. You're a big fan of journaling. You've you've actually written a book about it. I have. I wrote a book about keeping journals. So you would think that I wouldn't have this um, particular regret in life. But and there are these huge gaps in my travel life and, and my life in general that I don't remember at all because I didn't keep a journal. So I wish I really wish I'd done better at recording some of those early travels. Or at least that my that my journals weren't filled with boys, that they, <laughs> that they were filled with something more meaningful. Um, I guess I would say that I would have told my younger self to pay more attention and to write it down. 
Keeping a journal during the pandemic would have been so smart. Are are any of you guys doing that? I'm curious to know. Not only is it a good way to express your feelings and emotions and kind of understand them by writing them down, but what a cool historical record to share with your grandkids someday. Maybe there'll be a way to print out all of our Facebook comments and tweets to save for the ages. Will that be what we look back at? My grandkids will be like, geez, Granny leaned pretty hard on the Robert Smith gifts to express herself during 2020. The last few pieces of advice I'll share were chosen because they actually seem custom designed for the pandemic. And first in that lineup was my guest for episode 18, Lynn Johnson, founder of Spotlight Girls, which helps young female creators find their voices. I have been thinking a lot about self-care and what that really means and how, you know, it goes beyond making sure that you take a bubble bath every once in a while, right? It's about like this idea of of radical self-care being the kind of self-care that allows you to not just stay on your own, but to continue being out there and active and effective in the community. Mm-hmm. And and it's about centering yourself as the important actor in that work. And I feel like because I've spent, I spent my 20s and my 30s making it kind of all about other people, I'm just now, just now scratching the surface for myself on what it means to really radically take care of myself in a way that allows me to fully show up as a leader that I am. And I really wish I had known that earlier. So I, I would give that advice to myself and to other women in their 20s or 30s. To and 40s and 50s and think, 60s. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Think about what it is. Putting yourself at the center is not a bad thing. Putting yourself at the center is not something that makes you conceited or egotistical. Putting yourself at the center is important. It's going back to the beginning of this interview, put yourself in the starring role of your own life and give yourself what you need to to be your most effective so that you can show up for other people. And so it looks different for, the, for everybody, but I really encourage women to, to do that as early as possible. So you're not like trying to navigate bad knees and bad hips and self-care, like do self-care while you still feel good. The next bit of advice to her younger self came from ballerina Aisha Ash, founder of the Swan Dream Project. She joined me for episode 39 to talk about harnessing the power of imagery to challenge socioeconomic and racial norms in ballet. The show notes for that episode are worth checking out because it includes the photography that Aisha and I discussed in the episode. Here's what she had to say. That's a really easy one, is to, to be kinder to myself. I was way way too hard on myself. And I still am. I, I, I wish I had someone to, to stress that a little bit more. As artists, we are, we are our own worst critic, but I feel like I took that like to the next level. <laughs> like it, was, it was way too much. And it was definitely detrimental uh, to myself, to my self-esteem. I think even to myself as an artist, that it hindered a lot of my creativity and a lot of my growth. So that I wish somebody would have told me and that that whenever I get students, I really try to drill that because I, I think that we, we can get in our own way way too often. 
It reminds me so much of something that actually another guest who was on my live episode of the podcast, Joe Garofoli, who's a reporter for the Chronicle said to me via text recently, don't be so hard on yourself. It's your first pandemic. I mean, that's the answer, right? Like, just be nice to yourself. None of us know what's going on. Just find some kindness, not just for the people around you, but toward yourself too. Aisha had it right. One of my very favorite humor writers is R. Eric Thomas, and he was my guest for episode 43. At the time I spoke with him, he was just finishing up his book called Here For It. The book came out last spring, and I am so thrilled to share the news that Here For It just got selected by Jenna Bush's online book club for August 2020. And Eric has a new book coming out in October of this year called Reclaiming Her Time, The Power of Maxine Waters. That's right, Eric's bringing out two books in the same year check that out. So pre-order his Reclaiming Her Time book. And if you haven't read Here For It yet, I highly recommend it. Here's what he had to say to younger people. I look back at so many times when I thought, I don't know what I'm doing. And I look back, I you know, I think to myself right now, like, I don't really know what I'm doing. And it hasn't always turned out okay, but it always has turned out. And I think it is necessary to embrace the mystery, you know, um, to sort of find people who are good mentors and have good advice, but also to, to be very present with the idea that like, you don't know what you're doing, uh, always. And that, that is not going to ruin you. So that's why I would tell my younger self. That's why I tell myself at breakfast this morning. That's what I'll tell myself tomorrow. Yeah. It gets easier over time because you just get more experience as you get older. Like, oh yeah, I don't know what I'm doing again. And yet here I'm still Mm -hmm. here. Yeah. Yeah. My mother likes to say to me, you know, especially in times that we've, when there's been tough times, uh, my mother has said to me, um, I'm sorry, I've never had a 21 year old Mm -hmm. son before, you know, when I was 21, you know, I'm the oldest, you know, she'll say I've never been the age I am before. And and that's really important for me to remember, like both as an individual and as somebody who's part of larger family systems, like, I've never been in this space before. I've never been, you know, two years married before. I've never been uh, a parent before. Um, I'm not a parent now, but, you know, one day I will look at some child in the face and say, like, I'm sorry. I don't know what I'm doing. My bad. <laughs> the universal chorus of every parent everywhere, every day. I've never, <laughs> sorry, I'm new here. I don't know what's happening. Right, right. You'll have to report report that to management. Go over my head, please. Right. And finally, I'll wrap up this compendium of advice to young And finally, I'll wrap up this compendium of advice to younger people from past guests with Rue Mapp, founder of Outdoor Afro, a network that celebrates and inspires Black connections and leadership in nature. Rue was my guest in episode 31, and here's what she had to say in answer to the question, what advice do you have for people younger than you, or do you wish you could go back and tell yourself? That you have everything you need right now, and and not to let other people's perceptions of you Words about you affect what you think of yourself. Um, I, I just remember being 22 years old. I had, you know, a real crappy job and a really crappy manager. And I just let everything she did and say just just go right to the heart. Get right under your skin, right? Everything. It, and, and I was miserable and I didn't. And, and I look back at that and, you know, it was all stuff that she was going through, right? Mm-hmm. I can see... I can, See where she was in her life and and projecting a lot of that stuff onto you know a very young and impressionable person wasn't wasn't cool at all. But I didn't. I just did not have the wherewithal to be like, hey, this isn't about me. This is about you, and I don't have to take that on. 
I don't have to let what other people do and say create meaning in my life. So here's the thing. All of what we heard in today's episode is such good advice to our younger selves. Do you ever think about the fact that as of tomorrow, the you of today will be your younger self? In other words, we're never too old to put this advice into practice. Start something new, tear up the roadmap, seek the wonder, avoid the broccoli mousse. Don't let anyone else's definitions create meaning in your life. I mentioned at the start of this episode that I was going to give you something to think over in the weeks to come. So I was talking about the episode with my dear friends, Anne Immig, who is the founder of the Listen to Your Mother Nationwide stage reading series and was my guest for episode 35. And we were talking with our friend Liz McGuire, the shutterfly behind my favorite Instagram account, Sibling Revelry Project. I'll link to that from the show notes. They came up with an excellent question for me to pose. What do you think future you, the you of 20 years from now, will wish that they could come back and tell you today. If your future self could give you advice about how to navigate these rocky times in which we find ourselves, what do you think future you would tell you? I posed this question to filmmaker Jordan Brady, who was my guest on the 10th episode of the Midlife Mixtape podcast, and I loved what he thought future Jordan might say. Wow, that's such a great question. I think future old me would want to tell present day me that it's not about me, it's about the we. When you look at other countries where they wore the masks immediately because they were thinking of the collective good, well, that's that's the we over the me. So that's what I agree with future me, and we say that think about the we. In a minute, I'm going to close this episode with Anne Immig's own response to the question she and Elizabeth McGuire and I ruminated on. What would future you say to the you of today? But first... Present me wants to say to present you, is this getting confusing now? Maybe I need to slow my roll here, but I just wanted to say, I'm hoping that future me says, hey, Nancy, it was definitely the right choice to wait almost six months to go visit your elderly mom on the East Coast during the pandemic. And it was also the right choice to finally go in August. By the time you're listening to this episode, you guys, I will be a few days into quarantine in New York. And assuming the double masks and goggles do their job on the flight, I'll be cleared to hang out with my mom for a few weeks in person, no masks, lots of hugs. Back in California and back in the routine by mid-September, but that means no podcast episode for a couple of weeks. I know you guys in the sandwich generation with me can relate when I say something had to give, and it was the podcast, but it's cool. I'll be back. In fact, I already know who the guest is. It's going to be a great interview. While I'm on the road, I would love to hear from you guys, and I'd love to hear your answer to this question. If your future self could give you advice about how to navigate these rocky times in which we find ourselves, what would they tell you? You can find me on email at dj at midlifemixtape.com or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at midlifemixtape. And please, if you have a chance, leave a review and tell your friends about the Midlife Mixtape podcast. I really do read all the reviews. I do. And I'm so appreciative when you guys take the time to write them. Okay, so here's our final entry from episode 35 guest Anne Immig. It's a letter from future Anne to Anne of 2020. You guys stay well and I'll catch you on the flip side. Dear Pandemic Anne, I know at 3 a.m., when your teenagers go to bed after a rigorous evening of basement Xbox, you worry. I know at 1 p.m. when they arise, fresh and ornery, to cradle their beloved iPhones, you worry. I know when they neither exercise willingly nor seek unprompted, quiet, creative time, you worry. Please listen to me. 
You will remember the hot and sullen, mosquito-ridden family walks, the lack of enthusiasm for every show you pick out. They really didn't like Jerry Maguire and the spying on their backyard social distance bonfires with friends in which you flung open the back door and screamed, no jumping over the fire. And yes, the nagging, all of the nagging. You will remember all of this fondly and with tenderness. You won't miss quarantine, Anne, but you will be thankful for the time together. I won't bother telling you to surrender. It's already spelled out on your light board and hand-lettered in your journal, but still you've not loosened your death grip on not-enoughs, shoulds, and what-ifs. Your children won't remember that you gave up on screen time, only that they got to play for hours with their buddies when everything else in their lives pretty much sucked. They won't know how you struggled with how and where to show up for your community, only that you delivered groceries to people who needed them and walked with them as a family protesting for black lives. So keep breathing and moving, Anne. I can't wait for you to meet the lovely, kind, funny, good-natured men of integrity your sons become. Your friend Nancy once told you that your most miserable vacation moments turn into the funniest memories. This holds true of quarantine, too. Crying naked and afraid in your bed because of the news and especially because even your pajama pants are now too tight and you can't close your bedroom door or the cat will cry and you can't leave it open unless you cover up because the boys might see you and the cat attacks any exposed skin might not feel funny in the moment, but it is. Even as soon as the next morning when your husband details you in your misery like a crime scene, you have everything you need and so do they. The country will come around too. Love, future Anne. I wanna be, I wanna be free by whatever